but I was never really aware of Jesus having paid the penalty for my sin, which ultimately is eternal separation from God because of sin. I didn't I didn't see the connection. I just thought because I grew up in a Slavic community and um, what I was taught kind of thing was that as long as you present yourself a certain way and everybody thinks well of you, you're good, you know? And this is what, what I grew up in. So I, it wasn't so much, it was about keeping the beautiful picture of yourself, a whitewashed tomb. Welcome back to Think at the Well. I am very excited to continue our conversation about witnessing. We had a very interesting talk last time about how we would approach it, how, how, um, yeah, in general, what we think about that. And so we will be continuing this conversation. And so I'm just going to put you on the spot with a question, Vicky. Mm-hmm. When you witness, and last time we we touched on how do you witness to unbelievers that you know, that you hang out with, even a person that you meet for the first time, but you have like a long time to chat with them, like on a party or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But then if you are on the streets, which I have never done before, to be quite frank, but if you are on the streets and you are witnessing to people that you don't know, like let's say that one that one <laughs> incident that I had at Superstar, I told you about that. I shared my testimony where I met that random guy and we talked a little bit and I had like less than five minutes to come to the point, you know. Mm-hmm. It was a small talk, never saw that person before and until now never saw him again. So when do you confront a stranger in a conversation with the aspect of sin. Hmm. I think uh, this is where me and you kind of like stopped last time because we were um, unsure of whether, well, I was unsure of whether or not I would bring in sin into the conversation when I'm talking to people just on the streets. And I think too, it depends on how well the conversation like sparks up. Um, but I would rather give people a message of hope. And this is what me and you talked about, a message of hope and kind of, um, you know, maybe share who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for, you know, the, the person, for me, and, you know, go from there. But how can it be a message of hope if the person doesn't understand why they need a savior? What do they need a savior from? Like, let's say you give them that, fuzzy message of oh jesus loves you so much and and he died on the cross and everything like what for you know if you bring a person to court and you say well good for you the judge had mercy but that person doesn't even know why the heck he went to court in the first place and what he received mercy for what good is it then well i think whenever you do spark a conversation um, and you are sort of witnessing to somebody on the streets, you are already to, you know, getting to the point of like, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you know what he has done for you? Um, you know, if, if it's, say, a homeless person, or if it's, um, you know, where you're doing actually just street ministry um, with people, then you already know that you're addressing their, um, you know, their, their state and talking to them about like, hey, um, like God has a plan for your life and this is, this isn't it, you know, um, you, you don't have to be, 
um, you know, suffering in addiction or going through whatever, um, there's, there's a bigger picture kind of for your life. And, and again, witnessing is such a big topic because there's so many different, you know, approaches. Like there's that person that you met at Superstore, which like, you don't know their life. You don't know what they've been through and you don't know when, you know, what it is, what, what state they're in. So with that, I would probably more talk to them about, um, you know, maybe my personal testimony and just tell them about Jesus, like tell them that Jesus loves you kind of thing. I wouldn't, I, I don't think that I would address like sin in the way of like, you have lied and cheated and stolen. You have done all of these things and you deserve death, but there is a Jesus who loves you and who will save you. Like, I don't think that that would be my approach. So what if you talk to a very wealthy business person? Because you can't approach them saying, oh, but that's not God's plan for you. Um, he, he has something better for you. That business person would say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I drive a Mercedes. I have five houses in f five different countries. How, how would you do that then? Because if it's not about the core of us being sinful and us being in desperate need of a savior, what is it for then? Well, you do get to that point. And I think, yeah, if you're talking to, say, you're having a business meeting and you end up talking about, um, you know, your personal lives and you start talking about what you do for, for fun and you bring up, yeah, like I go to church and I do all these things and, you know, that's where the conversation goes. And then you have the opportunity to ask this person, like, have you ever been to church? Do you have anything to do with, uh, you know, faith or religion? You start asking those kind of questions. Um, a lot of the times it leads to, you know, either somebody saying like, oh yeah, I don't want anything to do with religion. Um, and then you have the opportunity at that point to say, oh, can I ask why? Can I, do you come from a Christian family? Have you ever had experience with religion? And you can then engage them in a conversation. And I think there's always a way to, be of course depending on again who you're talking to but there's a way to really really still respect the person and their story and their life um and still get to the core like there are ways i just don't think it has to be like so so blunt in the way of like you are a sinner in need of jesus um, and and that to me is the same as like not you know a, a cold sh um ice like dipping somebody into an ice bath and they get out and they're just like, what just happened? Like they weren't planning for this. They weren't expecting this. And it's almost like anger and preservation and protection. Like the, a response I feel like um, oftentimes would be, you know, if somebody was told that they're, they're messed up and they need Jesus, a lot of the times somebody's like, who are you to tell me these things? Like, I don't know you from Adam. Why, 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 do you think you have the right to judge my life and who I am and what I've done? So I don't think that I take the the blunt approach, but I do think that it is important to get there um, through means of asking questions and getting, you know, into a conversation. Okay. Have you ever heard, well, first of all, I feel like the tone plays a very important role. Like I wouldn't approach a person 
in the same tone that you just used and like you are a sinner you know i wouldn't necessarily do that but i would ask questions like oh have you ever lied before and then that person would look at me and say well have you and i'd honestly say yeah i i have what about you well yeah okay so what does that make you well what do you mean well if you if you if you tell lies what are you called in society in general a liar so what are you a liar Perfect. Let's move on. And you kind of take them through the Ten Commandments and you admit all the way long that you the same way lied, stole, um, I don't know, committed adultery in terms of like looking at someone with lust outside of marriage and all these things. But I, I would challenge y- you and your perspective, which is not completely opposed to mine. Like this is not about like debating without without coming to a solution yeah, or to a, a result just right. a discussion so i would argue and say have you ever heard the sentence the gospel is offensive yeah why because people don't like being told that they're wrong and people don't like being told that they're messed up and they need somebody to come and save them but before we get into that <laughs> i want to um kind of segue a little bit and say, why would, you know, you're saying, oh, have you ever um, lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever cheated? And you're kind of taking that approach. And then, well, then you're called a liar or you're called a cheater. So why should, and, and then you're taking them through the Ten Commandments, why should I, who, a person who doesn't live by your standards of morality or your standards of what you, quote unquote, you know, live by commandments of the Bible or Jesus. Why should I follow those rules? And why should that identify what is good and bad for me? Sure, be prepared as a Christian to face questions like that. And so if you would now in our conversation, and I would ask you, hey, do you believe in the afterlife? And you say no, because you're an atheist. And I would ask you, oh, you don't? Why? And you tell me, well, I'm an atheist. And then we come to that morality question and you say, well, you know, why would I live by... Those are your morals. Those are your standards. I would never, and I am not judging you, and I'm not owning those standards and morals. I go back to the Bible. And so I would question you as well and say, where do you get those morals from that it is wrong to kill? Do you think it is wrong to kill? But see, you know, but to me, first of all, this kind of approach and, and of course, there's so many benefits to kind of getting to the nitty gritty right away. It's kind of like bam, bam, bam. And you just kind of get to the core. Um, but to me, I feel like there's, there's all of these questions that still you end up having. Like you end up still addressing the morality and addressing like, the person's, you know, um, where they're at in life. Have they, you know, do they believe in a God? Do they believe in afterlife? Do they believe in any sort of, li- so you end up asking them questions anyways, um, up until the point of getting to, you know, okay, well, based on the moral standards of what, or based on what we define to be good is and what we define to be bad is, uh, stealing is generally considered bad. Lying is generally considered bad based on even the moral code that everybody in North America lives by, you know, and you can, you still end up getting there. So I guess my take is why wouldn't I take that time where you're, you're using anyways to get to answer all of these questions? Why wouldn't I take the time to actually 
talk to the person's life and talk to the person's state and get to know, to get to address where they're at instead of like this general, uh, not general, but like this, this approach of like, we're all sinners and we need grace or we need saving approach. Like, where are you at in life? Have you ever considered faith? You know, kind of like, have you ever gone to church? Do you know who Jesus is? And ask those kind of questions that really um, lets the person feel like they are being heard and they are being seen and they are um, being listened to. And that maybe for once in their life, somebody actually cares uh, about their story and where they're at and who they are. And to me, that shows a little bit more love and a little bit more grace and a little bit more soft um, approach towards sharing then presenting the gospel and being like, can I tell you why I chose to follow Jesus and how that changed my life? And now that I've heard this person's story and and empathized with them and see where they're at, I can sort of take a little piece of my life and share that with them and say, this is what Jesus has done for me. And I want to tell you that today, Jesus wants to do the same for you. And let me tell you how and then show them the gospel and tell them that they that they need saving like they will almost in themselves through that see that they need saving we don't have to show them that they need saving a person who is lost knows that they need saving regardless of whether it's through telling them about the commandments and being like you've cheated you've stolen and all of these things or you you address their state and where they're at in life and how they understand morality and how they understand, you know, whatever, when you address them personally, they realize, oh yeah, I'm actually not that good of a person. Okay. So I would challenge that again and say a tree grows from the roots. You cannot have a tree grow by planting branches. You have to take the seed, you have to put it in the ground, and from there on grows the tree. Now, a problem, and that doesn't have to be the case with all the people that you would approach like that, but what I, a problem that I see with that is that if a person repents, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that that was the case in my own life, when I truly repented, that was the moment when I truly realized without any excuses, without anything, as it is written in the Bible, that every mouth will shut before God because there's nothing more to say. You will know when you meet with your creator. And so that kind of state, that's the state that I was in when I repented is that I had nothing to say, realizing down to the core that I had completely messed up, that I had sinned against God. And this is where humility came in. Mm-hmm. Now, humility and, and godly sorrow will lead you to repentance. Now, if you take, if you take your approach and it doesn't, maybe your approach would be good for like, pulling a person into church and then in church they can repent when they when they actually hear the message but look if you if you wrap a person into that like loving thing the drive that drives them into church how i would see that is that oh wow there's someone who really loves me 
oh wow, there's someone who even died for me because he loves me so much. That's not the gospel. <laughs> but that's not necessarily what what you would be presenting to them. You wouldn't be saying like, oh, you know, poor you, and you need some. You need. You just need a big hug. Come yeah, but here. but still, like your approach when you you said that that person would then feel that you you come to the same to the same eye height kind of thing you know like you're on the same stage and you understand them and it's like it's still what what you would be doing is you would make them feel all right no not at all i disagree because you like through hearing their story and through hearing uh where they're at in life you can address their issue you can address their need but we were talking about a conversation that you don't have much time in like five to ten minutes how can you listen to a story like to a person's life story the and then address it and like talk to them about the like you would be you would be hearing their story for like 10-15 minutes then you would share the gospel for two because then everybody has to go i'm talking about like a short time frame what do you say in like Five to ten minutes. Okay. How? I mean, if there was a short time frame, I would recommend for every for everyone to learn to um, learn how to explain the gospel in five minutes. Like literally, train yourself to know how to share the gospel. But you don't share the gospels beginning with listen what Jesus did in my life, do you? Yeah, if I was doing street ministry, if that was my sole approach, and I'm not talking about stopping people like at a grocery store or something like that, if I was going out on the streets and I had five minutes, my approach would not still be, you're a sinner and you need saving. My approach would still would be, hey, can I tell you about my Jesus? Can I tell you what Jesus, Jesus is coming? Can I tell you about him? And I would, I would ask, I would respect their, their decision. And then I would, I would say, you know, I believe in the Bible. This is why I believe that Jesus came. There was a man who came, who lived, who died, who resurrected. He died for us because we're, because we are, have all fallen short. We're sinners. This is what sin looks like. You lie, you steal, you cheat. You can, you can give examples of what that is and leave room in between for a person to be like, wait, why is that a sin? You, what, what is a sin? And you can take a second to define that and stuff like that. But that would be my approach. Still talk about, hey, Jesus came. They can say, well, who is Jesus? And then you have to literally restart because there's so many directions that these kind of conversations can go, right? You can be talking to a person who's never heard the gospel. You can be talking to a person who grew up in a Christian home, but fell away. You know, you could be talking about somebody who's abused by the church. And so they, they know everything that you're going to tell them right now. And so that's a whole other conversation, right? So my first question would be, Hey, do you have a minute? Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And if that's what I was doing, street ministry. If I was stopping somebody at the grocery store, that's a little bit, again, of a different approach. I would actually take the time to, if I had the opportunity to connect with this person to say, Hey, can we grab some coffee? I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to get to know you and spend some time sharing, uh, my testimony, the, the gospel again and hearing about their life. That's my personal approach. My approach is still not like this wrath and fear almost <laughs> i don't know that's my take but but it's not it's not about wrath or fear it's not about instilling that fear into them like when again 
kind of thinking back to to my own state when I was repenting, it wasn't so much about being terrified to go to hell. Not at all. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was terrified to stand before God and sin. That was that was the state that I was in. It's like, man, I I I cannot believe that you really are willing to take that filth that I have done and just and wash me clean. And when it then happened, through that repentance process, it was kind of clear to me that the gospel is a message of freedom towards sin. And you cannot preach the gospel that is offensive by leaving sin out because then you would leave the offense out and then people can like, they can imaginary just follow an imaginary Jesus or whatever, you know, be like, oh yeah, Jesus loves me. I love Jesus too. But but the thing is, is that, you know, you, you're maybe forgetting the fact that you did grow up in an environment that was Christian and you knew, like it or not, but you knew the basics of who Jesus is, what he has done. You knew what sin was through, through even your falling away. Still, there is the, 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 work kind of that's happening in your heart the maybe the guilt and the shame and whatever of falling away from what you knew or what your parents taught you or in your upbringing a part of what you knew so you had that working for you and then not you really came, yeah because not then really when you, when you came to the point of repentance you there had to have been something that brought you to need saving still like you still needed to see, I am a sinner that needs Jesus. I still need saving. Like you, you still needed to get to that point. So it wasn't just like, oh, I, I'm sick of this world and I need, uh, like I know, like you had to have known somehow that you were sinning, right? That you were living in in the world. So yeah, what was what was it that told you about that? So when. I agreed. I grew up in a Christian home, but I was never really aware of Jesus having paid the penalty for my sin, which ultimately is eternal separation from God. But and that's and what like I would focus being on. in his, being in his, like suffering in his wrath because of sin. I didn't, I didn't see the connection. I just thought because I grew up in a Slavic community and, um, what I was taught kind of thing was that as long as you present yourself a certain way and everybody thinks well of you, you're good, you know? And this is what, what I grew up in. So I, it wasn't so much, it was about keeping the beautiful picture of yourself, a whitewashed tomb. I had never seen that a, a person is like really on fire, preaching, evangelizing, being on fire for the gospel. And when I once actually a preacher came to our church, and this is when I came forward and I prayed and everything, but I absolutely zero had that lifestyle where I had a relationship with Christ and where I grew in my relationship with Christ. It was just about works, do this, do that, read your Bible. I would read 15, 20 minutes a day, forgot completely what I had read about all these things. And so when I repented, what brought me to the knowledge of sin was the story, and I knew biblical stories, I knew them, and the story that came to my mind and heart was was the story about Judas having betrayed Jesus, and I knew I had betrayed Jesus big time too. And so when I prayed and I said, God, 
Like, just take my life now. You have washed me clean. Take my life now. You know, I, I, I was like Peter, just worse because I betrayed you more than three times. The consequences of my betrayal were much worse, you know, than just Peter running away. And that's when I got that revelation of, you know what? You rather be a Peter who betrays, but comes back to the cross, comes back to the feet of Jesus so that Jesus can use you rather than a Judas who has betrayed and hanged himself and copped out of any responsibility that was the story nobody ever taught me that yeah but I mean there's so much there's so much more to um what you're saying like your process because even when you uh like you said came forward and repented but you didn't really know what all of that entailed I think there's already the Holy Spirit was working on you at that point and you had um to work through a lot of things in your life to even get to the point of understanding like, oh, okay, I actually have to give my life to God, not just my, or my, my, I have to give him my heart, not just my life, you know, um, you had to work through all of those things from the moment that you did, you know, an altar call to the moment that you actually really realized like, oh, I have to actually live for Jesus. And my approach you know, and even learning from, from the Bible and seeing the verse that everybody knows, you know, John 3.16 talks about, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The emphasis is the love. The emphasis is, I I want to reconcile back. I want to reconcile you back to me. I love you so much that I will do anything for you to come back and be with me. And I think that you're almost underselling the value of the love of God when you're emphasizing the, when the first emphasis, and I, and I completely agree with you that it still needs to be addressed that the, the, the penalty of you know, sin is death, that Jesus died for our sins and, and all of that stuff. A hundred percent that needs to be addressed. I think the emphasis still first emphasis should be that Jesus loves you and this is how much that he sent his son to die for your sins. You want to know what a sin is? I'll tell you what a sin is. We blah, blah, blah. And you go from there. That's my approach still. But you know what, guys? This uh, There's so much more to talk about with that. And I think um, it's been really fun to go back and forth on these ideas with you. And we're going to bring this episode to a close. You know how we always leave you with a challenge for the week? Well, this time it's going to be a little bit different. This time, Vicky and I take on a challenge to go witnessing together. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to happen. It will happen. Stay tuned for an episode about our experience. Hold us accountable, especially Vicky as she is all over social media. And uh, hold us accountable. This is our challenge now. I, I can't promise that we'll get it done within a week, but we will. Well, and thank you. you. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> all right, folks. And thank we, you so much for tuning we in. We will do it.